Trinidad with nothing to play for has dethroned the United States, knocking them out of the World Cup 2018. And the discussion after Brazil, Max, was can we beat the Colombians and the Belgians and the Argentinas of the world? Are you kidding me? We can't beat Trinidad on a field that's too wet and too heavy? What are we doing? What are we doing? What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 82. I'm your host, Sal Qatar. And normally I say I'm excited to get into it, but um, today uh, I'm not too excited as I'll be talking about the USMNT's last World Cup qualifier versus Trinidad and Tobago, uh, which eventually knocked us, the United States, out of the World Cup and we will not be participating in 2018 in Russia. So um, I'm not going to get as into the game as I normally do tactically. I haven't rewatched the game and during the game I was just focused on getting results and I was I was nervous as hell. I I was panicking. It was tough to watch it, and I don't think I can watch it again. But I do remember some of the main pieces that happened. So um, just going over the scoring chart, um, in the 17th minute, Omar Gonzalez conceded an own goal. Um, Trinidad took a shot, and uh, Gonzalez just didn't get it out properly. Uh, by the way, nearly a minute later, he almost conceded a penalty, but that's okay. Um, 20 minutes later in the 37th minute, Alvin Jones, uh, takes one from far out. Tim Howard, uh, if he, you know, if he launched right away, he probably would have been able to save it. If he had, uh, better reflexes on that one, he probably would have been able, been able to save it. But, um, no, he nearly concedes another goal in the second half too, or, or at the end of the first half, excuse me. And then in the second half, uh, in just the 47th minute, Christian Pulisic, uh, puts one back. But when it seems like the U.S. have a comeback in the works, um, we don't manage to get a goal. Um, so basically going into this game, we knew that, uh, a tie puts us through to the World Cup. Um, we knew that a loss isn't necessarily going to knock us out because, uh, you know, Panama, this is, this is the exact formula that needed to happen in order for the U.S. to be knocked out. Um, if we lost, there were other scenarios in which we could get, uh, a playoff spot or even higher if other results swayed in our way. But, um, we knew that if we lost, we can't have Panama win and we can't have Honduras win. Well, everything happened. Panama beat Costa Rica, Honduras beat Mexico, um, Panama beat Costa Rica very late into the game, um... And we lost Trinidad, obviously. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think that if you know that we need at least a draw, we need to win the game, and the rhetoric that Bruce Arena used for most of the game was, you know, for, or, or ahead of the game, excuse me, I'm sorry, it's very hard to talk about this, um, was, we're gonna win this game, we gotta get three, that's the hashtag that we use, get three and we're in, or whatever. That's the hashtag that the U.S. soccer... Uh, Twitter used, but um, clearly that's not how we came out. I mean, I thought we came out kind of lifeless. Honestly, I thought Pulisic was the only player that looked energetic out there. And I know that it's tough going out on the road in CONCACAF. It's tough on some of these surfaces, but I know we're better than this. I know that we're capable of going on the road and getting points at Trinidad and Tobago. A team who came into this game 1-0-8. Oh, 
with just three points in nine games. It's ridiculous that we know we're capable of, you know, beating Panama 4-0 at home and 6 Honduras 6-0. But those two teams are making it over us into the World Cup. Because, I don't know, it seems sometimes that we just don't even try on the road. I mean, I know people are trying, obviously, but it's just not the same energy, and that's very frustrating as a fan. Um... I just, I mean, the U.S. came out a little bit better in the second half. We had a couple chances. Dempsey had a few chances. I think we hit the post once. Uh, uh, Dempsey had a good chance off a free kick, but it wasn't enough. And you really shouldn't be conceding 11 shots to Trinidad and Tobago. And I, and I know some of those were in the first half, too. And you can't necessarily use the excuse that we were just pushing higher at the end of the game. But because they, they had shots in the first half. Um... I think that it's ridiculous. You know, I kept on hearing this throughout the game. Oh, the players should know the scores of the other game. The players should know the scores of the other game. Listen, once you're down, you need to go for the tie immediately. You need to go for the tie or the win immediately. Because it doesn't matter how many goals you lose by. Once you're pushing up and you're down, you're pushing up. Like, 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 we have the ability to be more aggressive and not concede as many goals, I think, against Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, I know maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too nice on our defenders because they didn't play that well, um, Omar Gonzalez particularly. But still, I don't think it's an excuse to, like, have to get a message relayed in order for you to try to get into the game. We should, we should have gone off, gotten the right, on the front foot right away. That was part of the reason that the game against Panama went so well. Went so well, we scored early and then we we're on the front foot for the rest of the game. So, I mean, I think that you know part of the issue tactically was uh, Nagby and Ariola at times just didn't get enough width, and I mean it was able to work at home against Panama, but um, yeah, I mean. I, I don't think that Yedlin and Viafania did enough offensively to, to make up for the lack of width from the midfield there. Um, and up front, I mean, I think between Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore, uh, there was just little to no effort shown. Um, I do think that I saw Altidore involved a little more. Um, and I know people have been harping on Altidore more, rightfully so, because, I mean, a little more experienced. He's been in these situations before. This is his third World Cup qualifying cycle. Um, but I thought Bobby Wood was also, because uh, we know what he's capable of, was just as disappointing. Um, uh, the substitutes, uh, Clint Dempsey, Benny Fellhaber, um, just, I I didn't see, it didn't look like they were substitutes. I, I mean, they were. it looked like they were running just as fast as everyone else. And, um that's really disappointing. Um, you know, I, and and I, I agree. I've heard this a, a couple other places, but it's it's not that they didn't care, obviously. I mean, that's just that's just kind of a, you know, an ignorant thing to say, but um it's the the big the most frustrating thing is that we've seen them have higher energy in other games and for some reason on the last match day of the hex they just didn't want to they didn't want to use that. Um, yeah, so I mean, in terms of individual performances, I could, I could, you know, 
go on about it, but really it doesn't matter at this point. I mean, I, I think that uh, a lot of these players aren't going to dress up anymore. Um, I, I hope Clint Dempsey kind of gets kind of a, a goodbye game. Maybe he can break the record, but um, it's sad that uh, a lot of the la- a lot of the players had their last game in such a in such a bad fashion. Um, I think that this game shows that Bruce Arena didn't do his job. I mean, we wanted consistency. We wanted uh, a sense of, uh, you know, a familiar face at the helm. And once we got rid of Jurgen Glinsman. And, you know, I was a believer that, you know, Bruce Arena wouldn't necessarily push the program further, but he could at least get, a, get us into the World Cup because that's the position that was kind of in doubt at that 0-0 and 2 start in the hex. And even Jurgen Klinsmann struggled in you know qualifying in the qualifying stage before that, but Bruce Arena really at times made some of the same mistakes as Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, didn't call up the right players sometimes. I mean, I think that uh, Fabian Johnson should have called, been called up for this game. I think that Jeff Cameron absolutely should have started um, over Omar Gonzalez. I, I, I mean, unless Jeff Cameron. You know, had some kind of severe injury. There's just there's just no reason. Even if Beasler and Gonzalez have more chemistry and they've played more minutes together, I mean, I think Jeff Cameron is just more talented and more experienced. And we, Omar Gonzalez has been so liable. He's been like one of the most liable defenders um, in a U.S. shirt recently. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of inexcusable. Um, and then Fabian Johnson, I don't know if that's a personal thing, but Fabian Johnson, you know, plays a lot for a Bundesliga team, and I think he could have brought more than Paul Ariola did. I know Paul Ariola was involved in, like, the fourth goal versus Panama, but anyone can, so uh, once you're up that many, it, it doesn't matter. And I've been critical of Paul Ariola in the past, and, and I think I think that he's fine, but um, not Fabian Johnson quality. Um. Yeah, and I, I think that I think that you part of it has to be on the coach for the energy level. I know, like I I, I talked about the players, but Bruce Arena's got to get his team motivated. I mean, we see so often that he's just kind of not as enthusiastic as other managers, or at least not as animated. And maybe that maybe that plays a role into it because I I don't see how you can not let get your players to go full speed when the World Cup is on the line. There's two things. One of them is that we're setting the bar too high, but at the same time, this isn't our bar. Like, qualifying for the World... Like, like you know, qualifying for the World Cup isn't the bar, but there are just some deluded fans who who think that, you know, we're just this great team and we can easily walk by. And it's almost like the players are using that mindset and applying it to their game, even though... We here's what we are. We are the third best team in Concacaf. We are. We, we have to. We we would have to park the bus on most you know teams in South America and Europe, or most of the good teams in South America and Europe. And we just don't have the talent right now. I mean, like, what else is there to say? I mean, a lot. We a lot of players make up for the lack of technical ability. I mean, obviously, relatively uh, with athleticism and. Um, you know, that's, that's what it is. How many, how many people, how many players on, on the U.S. look super refined and technically gifted? I mean, 
you know, DeAndre Yedlin might show flashes. Bobby Wood might show flashes. Um, you know, like Bradley can deliver a good pass, and Pulisic's great too. But we we need more of that, and not Omar Gonzalez. You know, who's just pretty much relying on um, his athleticism, and Tim Howard, who's a shell of himself and isn't anything anymore. We need a youth. We need to transition into the youth phase. We need to. Just forget about this phase because this is not something to be proud of. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing that, you know, that soccer is supposedly on the rise and it is on the rise, but supposedly, you know, we're supposed to be better because of the growth of the popularity of the game, but no, that's not what's happening. So, you know, we just need to understand that our team is talented enough to qualify for the World Cup. You know, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, Honduras, Panama, Trinidad and Tobago level. We're higher than that. We might not be Costa Rica, Mexico level. And, but we can get there. We have the pieces. We have a player in Christian Pulisic who can carry this team the same way Ronaldo carries Portugal. I, th- I, I at, at a certain point in his career. Not now, but I think he can. I think he can. Right now, he can't carry us. Right now, he's going to be hacked that way every which way. But once he gets that name recognition, once he gets to be a world-class player, which he's very close to, um, it, I mean, people have different definitions of world-class, but I don't consider this world-class yet. Um, once he gets to that point, the referees are going to be on his side. He's going to be better. He's going to be more confident. He's going to be amazing. And Christian Pulisic can lead this team to, I don't, I don't know what, but... Certainly better results than what we just saw. No pitch excuses. Every every confederation, you're going to have away trips that get you uncomfortable. But if you're that much more talented than this team, which you should be, which you should be, when all of your, you know, then there's no excuse, okay? No excuse. The U.S. men's national team is not going to the 2018 World Cup in Russia. And I am disappointed, frustrated, and, I mean, a part of me is confused because I haven't just, I just haven't processed yet. And, frankly, I'm just embarrassed because this, we're playing right into the, right into the stereotype from the Europeans and everyone else that we're not good enough. You know, we're not even, we shouldn't even be at the World Cup. I've heard, you know, English people on the internet say that, and I, we're proving them right right now. I know we have the talent to be better than this, and I know that we have the we have the resources. We just need to change the system. Sunil Galati's got to change it. We got to get we got to get more fluidity from the youth teams into the senior team. We got to give more young guys a chance. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. The young players are are often the players that show the most effort out there, and I know that's not just a theme for the U.S. But look at look at you know Bobby Wood didn't do that well in this game, but generally he's just showing so much effort out there. Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, um, John Brooks is 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 always out there, um, and he's you know he's starting to get a little bit older, but he's still a young player, and I think that. We, I don't. If it looks like a player is just kind of just there to be there, then you know, switch them out, make them make them fight back for their spot, and create a competitive environment, and don't let some of these guys be locks. Seriously, 
because I know, and I I know in the past I've said, oh, Michael Bradley should always be on this team. But you know what? This is a bit of an eye. This is a bit of an eye opener. So you know, throughout this episode, I might just contradict myself because now I realize that no, no one's a lock. No one, Michael Bradley. You know, he's he's great. He's talented, but. If he's not showing up, if he's not being a leader like he needs to be, if he's not playing to the quality that we think he is, then put someone else in who's going to put more effort out there and put someone else out there who's just a nice set of of young talent because we have the players. They're in there in Europe. We have players that are going to be... I believe world class. Now, not all of them are going to be. Not every player that we pick out, um, not every player that's in a European youth system is going to be great. But there are a couple players out there that are going to be great, and we already have some pieces. And it's not the end of the world. But there needs to be a mentality shift. There needs to be a structural shift, and there needs to be, um, I mean, a tactical shift. I think you know. Get, Find a, a coach who's going to push the limits of how talented we are. Find a coach that's going to easily get us qualified for the World Cup. Find a coach that can contest for maybe a semifinal berth again. Because I think we, yeah, we played okay in the Copa America sense scenario. We were up and down a little bit. There was some bad play. There was some lousy uh, red cards in there. Um, there was just, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think. Th- our, our true test in that was our semifinal against Argentina, and we got routed. And I want a manager that can allow this young group of guys to thrive and not let us get routed like we did. And I'm, I'm so, um, just frustrated that 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 happened. But you know, it is what it is at this point. It, it's gonna. It's going to be disappointing, but we just have to move on. We have to understand that we have a lot of young talent, and if we can get some a structural shift, a mentality shift, then I think we could be headed in the right direction. But by no means am I going to sugarcoat it. It sucks that we're not going to be able to watch this team play in June. Um, it, it, I, I actually like it. I mean, it, there's a lot of cases in sports where I just get kind of frustrated at the common fan because I, I usually know more and it's just kind of frustrating. But I think it's the best thing ever when our whole country can can back a team and everyone can be in on it together, put aside politics, whatever, and just root for your team. And everyone was talking about Tim Howard after that World Cup. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to be missing out on. And... I know soccer is going to continue to grow, especially, um, you know, in that like eight to fourteen year old age range, as it, as it's been shown to have been doing. But um, in terms of fandomship, uh, I, I think that we're going to take a hit, which is which is disappointing. But um, there's nothing we can do now. <laughs> we'll see what happens in November with uh, the friendlies that we might play. Um, maybe just give uh, the guys a good run out uh, who are going to re- you know retire shortly. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I-, I think the pieces are there. I think that the goal next cycle has got to be to easily qualify, and you know we need we need a structural shift in U.S. soccer, and we and with that I think. The tactical shift will come, and the mentality shift will hopefully come. Um, and we need to trust our youth as well. I think those are the biggest lessons that we can learn from this qualifying cycle. Um, and I just never thought I would, you know, like you always just kind of 
understood the mathematical possibility and you kind of understood how you know how the scenarios can play out in which you don't go to the World Cup, but you don't actually think it's going to happen. You're still marking your calendar this June. You're still getting excited to watch your team play in the World Cup, even though you know that there's a chance that it can't happen because because we have since every year since 1986. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to get over that one. I, I don't think I personally. I don't think I've I've suffered a loss that devastating since. At least you know 2014. I I think this is even worse because because I we were not going to have a shot at it until 2022. But um, I, I I've I've seen a lot of heartbreaking losses, but this is this is just like you know it, it's it's just frustrating because it's not one game where we screwed up. It's it's ten games, and I know we're better than this. And I know most of all, I'm not going to get to see. My country play at least three games this June and be a part of the worldwide celebration that goes on in June. So, you know, I know I know every time I, I go optimistic, I kind of just shut myself back down. But um, you know what? Just keep supporting the team. Um, understand that you know part of part of having a national team is you're going to go through cyclical shifts. Um, this was obviously more than just a minor shift, but, uh, we'll, we'll be back. Um, and I'll, I'll continue to cover the team. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it with as much enthusiasm, but, um, I will continue to cover the team and, uh, congratulations to Panama for qualifying for their first world cup. That's cool for them. Um, other cool stuff happened too over, uh, in the past few days, Iceland qualified, um, and, you know, I'll still be watching the World Cup. I'll still be excited. It's still my favorite soccer competition, but there will, there will be that bit of me that's always bothered. But um, thank you so much for listening. We have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter and Instagram. Those handles are at soccerbrospod. You can review and rate us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Podkicker. We appreciate all the feedback. If you want to vent, you can email us. We'll talk about it later uh, or tweet us. Do whatever you need to. Uh, but just stick together. Support your team. Uh, all teams. One nation, one team. Support the women, support the men. Uh, and just just uh, have faith that we can come back from this and we will be stronger in 2022. And, um, you know, we, we, we got this. We do. Um, one nation, one team. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you guys next time on episode 83 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you.